All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.17, and today we're looking into judgment and punishment. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the lead teacher for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. Uh, and then we have uh, Craig DeLuca back with us. He's How many have you recorded? This is my second time. This is second, okay. So he's going to be one of the repeat ones. Um, he's taken a ton of the uh, the unpacking studies, um, and so he's he's back for us with this one. So welcome, Craig, back to yeah, the Yeah, thanks uh, for podcast. having me back. Um, were you here at the last time, or were we at the studios? No, we did it here. Okay. Yeah. I always forget now uh, what it is. Uh, and as always, we have ghosts, and hopefully she's... Um, can be behaving tonight or I'll punish her. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, all right. So we, the last week we continued this, this picture that we've been painting of what life is all about, what God intends for us. We've looked at hope and faith and maturity and, and love and glory. Um, we looked at what good and evil is and interdeterminism, how things play out the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and why we looked at to why God allows evil and suffering, how we should respond to it with, uh, with grieving, and with patience. Yep. Um, and then last week we got into justice and, and righteousness. And, and, and just real quick, so these the last couple episodes and the next couple ones. So the, these idea of um, patience and justice and righteousness and judgment and punishment and grace and mercy all interplay together. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be breaking down each of them individually, and then we're going to do an episode where we try to tie them all together yeah. to kind of paint the picture. So these last couple episodes and these next couple episodes, we're going to be saying things, and we're kind of leaving things open a little mm-hmm. bit. We, we talked about the elephant in the room uh, last week. that, that we, we totally acknowledge there's an elephant. And so as we're, as we're explaining all this tonight, there's going to be certain implications or certain challenges or tensions that arise, mm-hmm. but we, we realized it was best to not try to, like, like hammer all that out each episode, yeah. but rather yeah. to go ahead and give the definitions for each episode and some of those implications and just acknowledge the tension and tell and, and just say, please wait <laughs> until we went through each of these, these, these um, concepts and then we'll tie it all back together and, and do that. So, mm-hmm. so that's, so tonight there'll be some, the elephant is still in the room. Um, there'll be some more tension and implications and we recognize that and, and, but when we're, we're going to, we'll deal with it a little bit tonight, but, mm-hmm. but more later. Anyways, having said that, Zach, go ahead and give us a quick recap, um, of last week's discussion on righteousness and justice. Okay. Uh, one of the main things that we talked about was that actually righteousness and justice are cognates and they um, are actually pretty much mean the same thing in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with uh, righteousness and justice, first, I think it's helpful to s- what is right. We said that right is something that's beneficial. It's moral. It's within God's parameters. And so uh, then justice is the making of things right. Mm-hmm. And we talked about there's... Did you say like righteousness was more the noun and justice was more the verb? Yeah, I think that's one of the ways that we kind of differentiated yeah. between and, the two. And we didn't do a one-to-one that what is right is what is good, mm-hmm. but there was definitely a huge overlap between yeah. the two. Yeah, yeah. And we also talked about uh, the idea of there's kind of different types. Uh, there's two main, I guess, classifications of justice. So there's have uh, justice and righteousness and be do uh, righteous and justice. What does that mean? Great question. Um, the have uh, is 
basically the relationship that we you can have with Christ. And so you are positionally righteous. Um, you that that right standing. Yeah, that, you have yeah. that right standing with God. Whereas the be and the do is more that's being right, that's doing right things, making things right. More of the verb part of that. Yeah, and so one of the things we talk about with Paul, Paul, when Paul uses the word righteous or justice, he 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 jumps back and forth between the have and and the and the have definition and the mm-hmm. be do definition, and he doesn't tell you which one he's referring to. Yeah. So you have to go from context. But this, that study was very helpful for me, so that when I'm reading Romans or one of his other letters, and he's talking about righteousness, I can say, wait, is he talking about the have righteousness, which is mm-hmm. that right standing, right relationship with God? Or is he talking about the be and do righteousness, which is the having right character and doing right things, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And so that was very, very helpful. We also talked about how, so how does one get to have righteousness? Faith through grace, mm-hmm. so the, 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 your belief in, in the cross. Uh, and then what does it result in? Eternal life. And then how do you get that be, do righteousness justice that's a uh, walking in step with the spirit transforming and maturing choosing to be obedient etc and then what does that result in reward and authority in this life and the, and the one to come mm-hmm. so yeah cool all right so with with that in mind we can move into the the judgment and punishment study so one thing i'll say about this so well two things i guess one is that you'll see here in a minute there was like 3400 or 3500 uh, verses mm-hmm. and we only actually had three people in that study so it was me and craig and then uh tori um tori's been on here with other episodes so there's only three of us and we knew we couldn't tackle the entire 3400 plus verses so we were going to do the best that we could so it was fun trying to process through all that second thing was um this was probably this this was probably the, the unpacking that has changed my theology the most Mm. so um a lot of the unpackings a lot of times it's either okay that was already kind of what i was thinking good or oh i need to tweak it a little bit you know this one i had to tweak a lot so one of the ways i would say this is going back to spectrum that we've talked about a bunch of times in in in, um this episode this uh, series um if let's say from zero to 100 zero was this god who said ah you know, don't worry about it. You do all the bad you want. It's no problem, etc. 100 is this like hyper strict God that if you even breathe, he comes down on you with wrath, right? Mm-hmm. With that in mind, I probably, I grew up in a more, you know, um, stricter de- denomination. Um, and so I probably grew up more in like the 80s or somewhere in there and then really rejected all that as I understood more of God's love and patience and mercy and grace and probably bounced over to the 30s. So before this study, I would have said things like, God does not punish us because he's already forgiven us, etc. By the end of the study, I had, I had probably, probably high 30s, low 40s is probably where I was. I actually had to bump to like low 70s. Hmm. It was a pretty big bump back. Um, towards the, the, the little more stricter. Um, and we're going to go through all of this, but it made so much sense to me. But I had to be, you know, some people already accept that. I had to be persuaded of that. Hmm. Um, but it was a big jump back, but I, it was a jump I was willing to make because it was in the text. It made a lot of sense, you know, and we'll go through all that. So that, that was that was my response to it. Craig, what would you say what yours was? Um, this one, I was uh, closer than the others. Um, <laughs> I was way off on most of the other ones that I've done. Um, this one I had an idea. I did have to scale down a little. Uh, I was probably more in the 80s, mm-hmm. high high seven, yeah, probably 80s. Um, so I'd say I'm probably down into your what your scale would be like Low the 70s, 70s now. Yeah, um, a lot of different nuances within the punishment judgment field. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember you saying you're like finally. <laughs> yeah, here was one, one that was one I can almost to, relate yeah. to. Um, so, so this this was uh, this was definitely a challenging one for me, but one that I was up for. So, so as you're listening, you know, I have no idea where you're at. You might be more on that kind of left end, the softer end. God is very loving and patient, and kind, and, and, and not that He's not, but because of all that, you think that there's no punishment, hmm. or you might be more towards the harsher right that God's very quick to go punish. Um, who knows where you're at, but just, you know, kind of spoiler alert, it probably low seventies on that spectrum is, it seems to be what, what the, what the text is saying. And, and we're going to lay all that stuff out. It's just so you know, but, but so I wanted to say that, uh, ahead of time. Um, and then second thing, we already mentioned this, but you know, so the elephant is still in the room. We acknowledge it. We'll discuss it a little bit tonight, but it's going to be in three, three episodes from now that we'll actually discuss the full, the full rendering of that. Um, and so one of the things is like I just mentioned, good and love and interdeterminism and patience and judgment and punishment and grace and mercy and forgiveness and discipline, rebuke, correction, all of these all play together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I like to say things are complex, but not complicated. This one, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why we have this elephant that we're going to be addressing in a couple episodes. So that's why, like I said, we're going through each one of those individually, kind of laying down the groundwork, and then we'll tie them all together. Uh, All right. So with that, another thing I want to say, kind of going back to last week's study, in general, we might be able to like to summarize that people would say, like, let's say, let's say believers um, or God, people who believe in God, they might say something like, God tells us what right is, and then if we do wrong, he judges us and punishes us. And that's pretty much how it works. And if we do good, he rewards us. Well, that's true, but it's incomplete. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, because that goes back, that's the simple view of justice that we talked about from the, from the Job study last week, that if you do good, you're rewarded, and if you do bad, you're, you're punished. Yes, sort of, but like Craig said, there is a ton of uh, of nuances to all of that, and we're moving from the simple view of justice to a complex view of justice, mm-hmm. um, and so we don't want to we don't want to let it be something just that black and white. That there's there's much more to it. Um, so keep that in mind as we go through all this. All right. So with that, let's get into the um, the wording. So if if this is your first time ever. Um, ever listening to one of the episodes, um, we would encourage you to go back to episodes uh, 3.00 and 3.01, where we kind of explain the unpacking process. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, what we do is, is we, we pick a concept, and then we, we try to figure out what are, and we, we use the, the New American Standard, is the, because it's a more word-for-word translation. Um, we think about what are all the different words that we need to look up in the NASB that's going to touch on it. So we, we wouldn't look up just judge and punish. We would look up a bunch of other ones as well. So we try to identify all those words. Then we, we take those words and we, we use the different software that we have. And we look up um, all of the Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew words that are translated those words into English. And we look carefully through all those definitions. Uh, and then once we look through those, then we pull out the Merriam-Webster dictionary uh, and or the Farlex dictionary. And then we look up all the key words from that the those definitions to make sure we're really getting a good feel for it and so that's the first thing that we do before we even look at any of the verses we just look at, at what the words and the meanings and the definitions what what picture is being painted initially up front then and, and we discuss some ideas preliminary oh it might be this might be this etc then with that in mind then we go through every verse that we can find on that topic which a lot of times like i said for this one was like 3400 words or whatever mm-hmm. um and so we go through all those 
those verses, and then we have our whiteboards out, and each week we're discussing what are we learning from these verses, how does that tie in, we start drawing all these pictures up on the whiteboard and, and all that stuff, um, and, then, and then we come to a conclusion based on all of that, what would be the biblical definition of this concept, and then what's the application, implication, and all that. So that's, that's just a quick recap of, of how this un, unpacking process looks. All right, so with that, let me pull up my, uh, my document here. Um, the, the words that I looked up for judgment and punishment. So I looked up um, the, the judge and, and judgment uh, words, testify, testimony, court, charge, witness, guilt, case, accuse, decide, or uh, decision, plead, argue, argument, defend, intercede, or intercession, mediate and legal those are all kind of like judge concepts and then with punishment i looked up uh, destroy and destruction death redeem punish vengeance avenge revenge atone rebuke condemnation condemn uh, reward wages like the wages of, of sin is death uh, to warn uh, discipline reprove or reproof repay torment chasten convict Penalty, amends, propitiation, retribution, reprimand, compensate, and expiation. Those are all the ones that we ended up looking up for the study. It totaled 3,557 words. Uh, it was about just under 2,600 words in the Old Testament and just under 1,000 words in the New Testament. So, Zach, you had mentioned beforehand. Mm -hmm. So all of these words show up uh, on average 2.1 times every page. <laughs> in yeah. the Old Testament, but 2.8 times every page in the New Testament. So this was actually a slight increase in the New Testament uh, mm -hmm. frequency of all that. Um, and then there were some other words, command and law and lawless and order and instruction, declare, exhort, implore, urge. Um, those we ended up not including in the study just because it would have made it too big and it was starting to go off some tangents. And then also like... Uh, and like we said before, suffering, grace, patience, justice, rule and administer, evil, sin, love, good, they all play into this, but those are all their own unpackings. Mm -hmm. so, so those are all the words we looked up. So now let's move into um, the Hebrew and Aramaic and, and Greek wording for all this. Um, and, and we always qualify this. We're not experts in, in this, and so we don't know how to, to pronounce these exactly, um, but we're going to do our best to pronounce them and then, and then tell you this is, what, this is what that Hebrew or that, that uh, Greek word means. So, so one of them is, uh, so the Hebrew first, Hebrew and Aramaic, tsava, uh, which means to constitute, to enjoin, give charge to, or command. All right, mishpat, a judgment or verdict, favorable or unfavorable, especially a sentence or a decree, law or ordinance. And we mentioned that word last week in the righteous justice, but, but it plays more here. Mm -hmm. uh, we also saw pakad, which is to visit with friendly or hostile intent, uh, to attend to, observe, to number, to lay a charge upon, or to punish. So one note on this. In, um, let me scroll back up. The word punish in the Bible... In the English, in, in the NASB, uh, where is it? Uh, is mentioned 109 times, the word to punish. Um, that's uh, 105 in the, uh, where am I at? Uh, 95 in the Old Testament and 14 in the New Testament. So 109 times is not a lot, though it's not nothing either, right? So in the Old Testament, you see the word punish 109, or 95 times. Of those 95 times, the far majority of them is the word that you just mentioned, the pakad, and the literal meaning is to visit. So when you see, like, I'm going to punish you for your sins, 
the hyper-literal rendering is, I'm going to visit you for your sins. Um, but by visit, it means I'm going to visit and address, um, and then by implication, punish, which is how they get that translation. But that was just interesting as we were reading through it all. Um, all right, so then, and then another one is avan, which means a perversity, evil, iniquity, or sin. Uh, next is shafat, to judge, to pronounce sentence for or against by implication, to govern, litigate, vindicate, or punish. We also looked up the word abad, which is to wander away, lose oneself, perish, die, be destroyed, exterminated, or blotted out. Uh, Shaketh means to decay, ruin, or become destroyed. Ge'el, to redeem, ransom, revenge. That goes with the word goel, which is like kinsman redeemer. You'll hear sermons on that sometimes. Kapar, which is to cover with pitch, figuratively, or to expiate, cancel, pardon, placate, propitiate, forgive, or reconcile. So this part of the, here's the elephant. Part of God's response to sin is to cover over it and kind of, and kind of like take care of it or atone for it. Mm-hmm. Part of it is also to punish. And so there seems to be some tension as we go through this. We'll explain how it all, how it all works. Um, so then we have uh, shamad, which means to destroy, exterminate, annihilate, or make desolate. Iduth, testimony, witness, recording. Mishmurth, uh, to watch over, preserve, give a charge, or function to, duty, or obligation. Uh, Yachach, to be right or correct, to decide or judge what is right, to reprove or rebuke. Pada, to sever, release, ransom, reserve, rescue, deliver. Musar. Uh, to chastise with blows, figuratively, uh, or to instruct, warn, reprove, restrain, correct, or discipline. And then the next word is asham, uh, which means guilt or offense or an offering of restitution. Then ana, to eye, heed, pay attention to, by implication, to respond to, to warn, admonish. We also looked up asham. Ashma, well, uh, to be guilty of an offense or trespass. And then the last Hebrew word is the satan or shatan, and it means to be an adversary, to attack, or figuratively to accuse. This is where we get the term Satan uh, from, the book, from the book of Job. All right, and then with the Greek, we had krino, which means to separate or pick out or select, to distinguish or decide mentally or judicially, by implication to try, determine, condemn, or punish, to approve or esteem, to judge concerning right or wrong, or to rule or govern. So that's, that word is used a bunch of different ways. Apollomai, to destroy fully, perish, die, be rendered useless, be lost. Apodidomai, is to give away or give back, render, repay, or reward. Marturia, uh, an evidence or record or report, testimony or witness. Misthos, to pay for service, literally or figuratively, for good or bad, reward, wages. Categorio is based on uh, to be against in the assembly, to accuse or charge with an offense. This is where you get category. I'm curious how that played out. But, uh, and then um, uh, aitia, or aitia, uh, cause or reason, to char- a charge against or an accusation. Then pedio, to train up a child, educate, instruct, teach, discipline, chasten or chastise, punish. 
besanizo, which is to torture or grievous pain or toil or torment. And that word, just fun fact, showed up 12 times in our study. <laughs> uh, and then colazzo or col- and colossus comes from the word meaning to dwarf. Uh, and so these words mean to cur- curtail or curb, figuratively to chastise or punish. Then timorio, to guard, protect one's honor, avenge, inflict a penalty, punish. And also helasmos, which is propitiation, appeasement, or recompense. All right, so those are the Hebrew and Greek words. Then we use the Merriam-Webster and Farlex dictionaries to look up each of those keywords. Uh, and so we have these definitions. Uh, a charge is to give an obligation or command. Accuse, to charge, assert formally with wrongdoing, fault, or offense. Testimony is a declaration offered in a legal case or evidence given for or against a charge. Uh, judge or judgment, to form an opinion or estimation or evaluation of, after careful consideration, to discern and determine or declare after deliberation. Decide, to reach a conclusion or form a judgment or opinion about something by reasoning or consideration, to settle conclusively all contention or uncertainty about, to select as a course of action. A verdict is the finding or decision of a jury in a trial. To repay means to pay back or requite, to make a return for, or recompense, to compensate for services rendered. Reward, a consequence that happens to someone as a result of worthy or unworthy behavior, something that is given in return for good or evil done, or received or that is offered or given for some service or attainment. A sentence is, or two sentence, is to officially state the punishment given to someone, or it's a penalty imposed by a law, a court of law, or other authority upon someone found guilty of a crime or other offense. Guilt, the fact of being responsible for the commission of an offense, moral or legal culpability, responsibility for a mistake or error. Forgive, see the unpacking definition below. Yeah, we're going to come back to that more later. Uh, to pardon is to release a person <laughs> from punishment or disfavor for wrongdoing or fault. Or it's to allow an offense or fault to pass without punishment or disfavor. Atone, to make amends, to provide or serve as reparation or compensation for something bad or unwelcome. Compensate, make an appropriate and usually counterbalancing payment to, neutralize effects of, to offset or counterbalance an error or defect, to make satisfactory payment or reparation to, making amends for a wrong or injury. To expiate is to make amends for or to extinguish the guilt incurred by. There's a, there's a ton of words here you know, that we're going through all this. And I remember when we were when we were doing the studies, this is taking me back now. This was such an overwhelming thing. I remember the first couple of weeks we were just sitting trying to wrap our mind around everything, trying to figure out how it all played together. And we were going a lot into, now, now this definition, this definition, how do these play out together? So, so bear with us as we read through this because we're, we're about halfway through this dictionary list but it's important to understand how much we were actually trying to break all this down mm-hmm. and all its subcomponents um so so which one did you just say zank all right so to propitiate is to gain or regain the favor or goodwill of to appease to calm soothe or quiet to redeem 
to buy back, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to release from blame or debt, to restore or repair, to free from harm or detriment. Reconcile is to restore to friendship or harmony or to reestablish a close relationship. To condemn is to pronounce judgment against, to express strong disapproval of. Criticize, to judge the merits and faults of, analyze and evaluate, to find fault with, point out faults. To reprove is to scold or correct, usually gently or with kind intent, or to express disapproval or to criticize. To rebuke is to criticize sharply, to reprimand, a severe or formal rebuke. To chastise, to criticize, rebuke, or punish for wrongdoing. Discipline is to train by instruction and practice, as in following rules or developing self-control, or it can be to punish or penalize in order to train or correct or to gain control or enforce obedience. Penalty is some loss, suffering, disadvantage, or other unfortunate result of one's own action, error, etc., punishment imposed for a violation of law. To punish, to inflict a penalty for a fault, offense, or violation, to hurt, damage, injure, or handle roughly. Retribution is reward or recompense, the act of punishing or taking vengeance for wrongdoing, sin, or injury. So basically there it can be a positive or a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, which is weird. I think retribution was a Mostly positive, negative. Yeah. Uh, and then avenge or vengeance is the infliction of punishment in return for a wrong committed, usually with great force or to an extreme degree, or revenge, some kind of spiteful retaliation. Desolate, to lay waste, make barren, devoid of inhabitants. To destroy is to break apart the structure of, render physically unusable, or cause to cease to exist as a distinguishable physical entity, or to put an end to or eliminate. Um, side note, so with the annihilationism, tons of passages talk about destroy. I keep thinking of those definitions. Uh, we'll come back to that later. But um, And then to exterminate is to get rid of by destroying completely. And to annihilate, to cause to cease to exist. All right, so those were all the different words that, that we looked up. So we, we I remember uh, Craig and Tori and I, you know, sitting with the whiteboards, we were drawing some stuff out. We, we, we kind of kept going back and forth on different points. It was a really, I actually really enjoyed those discussions that we were doing each week. But we, we wanted to try to wrap our mind around all that stuff. And we, we had some initial ideas. Then we poured through the script. Oh, oh, actually, so then we looked at um, some of these other definitions that come into play here. And so we're not going to go through each of these now. This is one of those things where we need you to go back and listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Um just for the sake of time. And so we don't want to blow that off, but we really do encourage you, if you if this is your first one you're listening to, to go back and listen to each of these that I'll say here in a second, because you have to kind of understand where we're coming from in those points to understand where we're at now. I don't know if, Zach, if you wanted to comment on yeah, that. Yeah, because something that um, I know Shannon and I are both really passionate about is being accurate with what we're saying. And we both believe that words have meaning. And it actually does matter what you mean when you say something, which on a service level, like, duh, yes, that makes sense. But we've gone through and we've recorded many a podcast Mm -hmm. on different concepts, uh, 
trying to explore what the Bible actually says about these. And they all have really been building on each other. Yeah. And so we say all the time, go back and listen to this. And what we're really wanting you guys to do is understand where we're coming from when we say different words. Because when Shannon uses the word good, he means... A very specific... A very specific thing that has to do with promoting benefit. And actually, there's something that happens with that. It's not just some intellectual thing. Like, there's actually... Mm -hmm. um, something there but if you don't have that understanding of what good is or what love is or what evil and sin is and why it's there then the rest of what we talk about isn't going to make as much sense as it could yeah not necessarily that we're 100 percent right on everything um because i we're not but what we've really been laying out over the past two years of recording just about um mm -hmm. is a comprehensive and cohesive view of how we really have been seeing scripture paint reality. And they all build on each other. Yeah. yeah. And so just to reach in and take one, we did design this. So you can do that. You can just listen to whatever specific topic you're interested in. But it if helps. you listen to the whole thing, it really does make a lot more sense. Yeah. So that's my shameless plug for that. Yeah, and they're all free. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you know if you're because because we realize some of the things that we present here, not necessarily contradict, but are different than traditionally mm -hmm. what we hear in the church, and we recognize that. Um, but it's because we've been we've been persuaded over time with all of these points: mm -hmm. if A, then B, and B, then C, etc. Um, and so if, if you're listening for the first time, you'd be like, no, 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 you know, it's not what I'm taught. Uh, I disagree with that. Go back and listen to all of them and see if you get persuaded like we were persuaded mm -hmm. with that. Um, so with that, some some of the points that's important to remember as you're studying judgment and punishment would be love itself and that whole, you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength and all the elements to that. Um, understanding, you know, good is something beneficial. Evil is something detrimental, really working through why does this all powerful, all good, all loving God allow so much evil, uh, and suffering that, that comes from that, uh, uh, ruling, which like ruling and leading, We've done the unpacking. We haven't done the recording yet. That's coming up in a few few episodes. After we do the elephant one, I think we're going to do leading and following. Um, but understanding um, authority and, and what that looks like uh, plays into here. Justice, which is the one that we just did this, this last episode. Uh, grace, uh, which is we're going to do the next episode, uh, which is like showing favor to. Uh, and then mercy, there's compassion, mercy, and forgiveness mercy. That'll mm -hmm. be in two episodes. But forgiveness is going to play a huge chunk. As we were planning this episode, uh, forgiveness really does play into this, but forgiveness is really, really complicated scripturally, we found. Mm -hmm. And so we're only going to reference forgiveness right now in this episode, and we're going to come back to it more fully in two episodes from now. So just know that. Um, and then uh, patience, which was two episodes ago, patience and endurance, mm -hmm. and suffering, which I think was like three or four episodes ago, of what is suffering, and 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 there's God-initiated suffering and others-initiated suffering, and that actually plays into punishment. So it's important to, to know all of those things. Uh, also, anger and wrath. So we did an anger-wrath unpacking years ago. We're actually going to do another one this fall to kind of update it. We, we had changed the format, and then we're going to record. We were actually going to record Anger and Wrath a couple episodes ago, but then I decided, no, let's wait. Let's redo mm -hmm. the actual unpacking stuff this fall, then we'll record after that. Um, and so all of those play into this, and we, and we recognize that. So having said all that, 
we, we, we looked at all the, the wording and all the definitions. We talked through some of the implications and, and potential ideas, et cetera. Um, and then we went through as many of the 3,400 verses as we could, um, the, the three of us. And, and, we, and just so you know on that, the um, idea was we just needed to trust in God that, that he was going to lead us to the verses that we needed to get to. I think Craig actually ended up getting, I think, pretty much almost all his uh, that, that he was assigned. Yeah, most, mostly, I think so. Yeah. Tori and I, um, you know, it was more more of a fraction, but we were trusting that that what we were finding was what we needed for the study, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we went through all the verses uh, or as many as we could, and and so now we're going to get into the to the conclusions of all of it. So we're going to give the definitions. So first with judgment, uh, I'm going to give my the rent, the definition that I had. Then Craig's going to give his, and then we'll discuss that a little bit. So the def it seems that based on everything that we studied, all the verses, everything else that the biblical definition of judgment, the way that I would word it, is a careful, discerning evaluation of how well one obeys or disobeys a charge, a beneficial command of God. What do you have, Craig? Um, I basically agreed with Marion Webster's, uh, the, the first part of it, the process of forming an opinion or evaluation by discerning and comparing. The only thing I added was that just remembering judgment can be negative or condemning, positive or encouraging or neutral mm-hmm. so remind me when we get to the application section at the end to talk about the whole you know don't judge me um and so given everything that we've been discussing that takes on a new meaning yeah and we'll come up we'll come back to that when we get to the uh to the application section um so that that was that was judgment but so one of the cool things there is it it does mean at its core an evaluation of how one is doing um, and so it's not, it shouldn't have as many of the negative connotations as it does. Right. Um, and because typically when it has a negative connotation, we're adding something else to that. But again, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Um, so, so then punishment, this, this was one that took a lot, um, I kept going back and forth. There's some mental strain <laughs> that I dealt with in trying to figure this out. But the the definition that I end up coming up with, my understanding of, of what is the biblical definition of punishment, it's visiting and addressing the results of a judgment with an imposing of some loss, difficulty, or pain, or potentially death in response to a wrongdoing. And then, Craig, what did you have? Uh, for punishment for me was to inflict a penalty for a fault, offense, or violation ranging from a mild discipline to vengeance. So, and I really like that definition a lot. So one of the things, you know, I told you guys at the beginning that when, after doing the study, I got stretched quite a bit. So before the study, I probably would have said something like, God doesn't punish us anymore um, because he's forgiven us. Now, after the study, given these definitions that we've talked about, um, I had to I had to rethink that, and I realized that there can be punishment from God, while at the same time being forgiveness also, but and then trying to explain it. So we're we're gonna walk you through all of this, um, but you know, Zach, I was telling you ahead beforehand, like if you take this more technical definition of what punishment is, um, it freed me up and led me back to God can punish, but again, there's there's a lot of qualifications to that as we walk through it. Um, all right, so that was the, um, the, 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 the concluding definitions that we came up with. So given those definitions, now we can go back and kind of revisit that order of events of how all this stuff plays out. So another thing, too, is um, 
that was helpful for me in this study, a lot of times it might be something like I give, I give lip service or I give a quick nod, a sincere quick nod to, okay, so God is good. He's loving. Um, then now let's, let's discuss this punishment. But I realized it was very helpful for me to actually slow down and chew on each of these points. And so we want to emphasize each of these points to help better understand punishment. So the first point is just that reminder that God is all good. He is all knowing. He is all loving and he's and he's just right. And so going back to these definitions, when you when you kind of combine all those what you have is God fully has already determined and knows what is good, what is right, Mm -hmm. what is beneficial to you or others, um, society or individual, whatever. And that could be, you know, spiritual benefit, emotional benefit, physical benefit, et cetera. Uh, And he knows what is detrimental. And so the system that he set up, these, these systems of laws and commands is here are all the beneficial things that I want you to pursue and cause for self and others. And here are all the detrimental things to self and others that I want you to avoid, that I am prohibiting. They, these fall outside my parameters. Um, and, and, and the reason for all this is because of his love. So he created the entire universe. He populated it with, with people and animals and everything else. And he said, all right, because I love these people and animals and everything, I want them to experience beneficial good and I want them to avoid detrimental evil. Mm-hmm. Now there's some detriment, like no pain, no gain, That's, but that can go back to the evil sense study and listen yeah. to that one. But anyways, I, I, I didn't want to just kind of brush that off. I wanted to sit and make sure that I understood that, that I was chewing on it, that that was sinking in, that that was like the core foundational, that God is just crazy love. And he truly desires humanity to experience benefit and avoid detriment for the most part. There's some conditionals in there. But but anyways, I, I wanted to, to sit on that. And, and that's kind of what starts it all. And, and as I'm explaining all this, you guys can just chip in with, with insights or interruptions or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever you want. So that was the first piece. The second piece is that, so, so he's already determined, he already knows what is good and, and what is evil. So the second piece is he takes his time to communicate that to us, to communicate. So here's what is good. Here's what is evil. Um, he also, this time it takes a little bit more exploration of the text, but he does explain the why, that this is why this is good and beneficial. This is why this mm-hmm. is evil and, and detrimental and, and harmful. Uh, and then he also takes time to, to explain the how. It's not just go do it or don't do it. He, he also takes time to explain how one can pursue the good and beneficial commands mm-hmm. and how one can avoid uh, or, or resist those detrimental evils. And interesting, a lot of times in order to avoid the detriment, he actually uh, instructs us to be pursuing the positive. Which is how, yeah, right, which is how, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and so, so he communicates these things. Now, as we were putting the notes together, we realized that how God communicates is a big issue. It's not really the place here to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did want to address it that, that we acknowledge there's many different ways that God communicates. So sometimes he creates, he, he communicates verbally directly. We see this in scripture as he talks to Moses or Abraham or the prophets or whatever. Uh, other times he communicates through prophets. Mm-hmm. He also communicates through the scripture, which is what we have today. He can also communicate through prayer today as we're just like listening and kind of following the leading and nudging uh, of God. Uh, and he can communicate through just life circumstances and through different events. So there's a bunch of different ways that he's going to communicate these things. We're not going to elaborate on all that, but we're going to acknowledge that. Yeah, and uh, just 
two other quick ones. I also think what you kind of mentioned in there, but the Holy Spirit is a, definitely a way that he yep. communicates. I'd put that with prayer, but yeah. Yeah, and then also, um, which probably fits in kind of to prayer, uh, just conscience, like our conscience. Oh, right, right. Actually, um, good point. Yeah, conviction and, mm-hmm. and, and well, even free will and all that. Um, he also, there's a pattern in Scripture where he tends to communicate progressively. So a lot of times he lays down some initial uh, points, and then he elaborates later and, and gives more rules to that. We're not going to go into all that here, but that is something I hold to with with, with progressive revelation. Um, and, so, and so I wanted to sit and just chew on that a bit and realize that, you know, so what, is, what does this tell us about God? He's very detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. He's very intentional. He's a great communicator. He wants us to understand these things, you know. Um, and so that was helpful for me. I, I don't want to blow that off, that God is like, man, he really is intentional and engaged with us in, in trying to explain all these things. Um, so, so given that, so, you know, he, he is of course perfectly good and loving and just, so he knows what are all the beneficial and detrimental things. And because of his love for us, he wants us to align with that accordingly. Um, and then he's very intentional and engaging and, and clear communicator in communicating that to all of us and educating us on what all that means. So then, so that, so kind of go, so we have this timeline, you know, kind of point one, God is good. And point one B, he knows what is good and beneficial and all that. And then point two is he communicates and educate and explains it all to us. So then kind of moving on, he also empowers and equips and edifies us and, and, and all these E's sort of intentional, sort of not. Um, but the idea here is not only is he going to de- determine and communicate to us what is the proper way to live life, what is the mm-hmm. good way to live life, he's also going to to em- equip us and empower us and edify us. He's going he's gonna to help us, if we let him, transform so that we're more likely to do those good things and to resist the bad things. Uh, and then once he's equipping and empowering and edifying us, he also begins to encourage and exhort. And the way that I, I look at those encourages that, you know, kind of like that, that rah-rah cheerleader kind of build you up. Listen, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is good for you. And you can do it. Absolutely. I've equipped you with it. So go do these good things. And then the exhort becomes the harsher um, kind of swift kick in the rear when needed, you know, where he just gets more to the point. Like, listen, you need to be doing this, right? Mm-hmm. I've already told mm-hmm. you, go, go make it happen. Um, but, but I love that he's taking time to kind of go through all of these steps. He, he's not just like giving the Ten Commandments and then walking away. He's very engaged the entire time in trying to lay all this stuff out and doing what he, you know, he's a great leader. Um, he doesn't just tell you and then leave. He's actually going to walk alongside you to help you with this process. So he's laying down all yeah. of this groundwork so that we can know what the, these beneficial commands are. Because I think a lot of times um, it feels like we've been set up to fail. Like with all of these different rules, all of these different things that we're supposed to be doing, um, we feel like we don't really know what all we're supposed to be doing or not doing, um, and we and for- hard to do. Yeah, and we forget the fact that God is there, actually guiding and leading and helping us do all these different things. So then we just get discouraged and give up. But it's helpful to walk through this whole process that God is good. He's loving. He's knows what will actually produce benefit and what produces detriment. Mm-hmm. And when the we time. yeah, when we take the time to actually go through the things that we've been talking about, I think it really does set us up well for the next part, which is our response. Yep. So 
our response to kind of oversimplify is one of two things. We either obey or disobey, mm-hmm. or we talked, we weren't going to go a whole lot into this, but we talked about this beforehand. I, I know, I believe, I think you guys are probably on the same page as me that not non-believers, those who aren't Christian, those who don't follow Jesus can still do good things. We might not say that they're obeying God because mm-hmm. they're not like, Oh, God told me to do this. I'm going to go do it. Like, like a believer might. Um, but it's still, they recognize, Hey, this is a beneficial thing to serve somebody, right. To help somebody move or, or to give money to help pay a, a utility bill one month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so we believe that, uh, non-believers or, or, or people who aren't Christian can still do absolutely good things or they can also do bad things. So as we go through this, so, you know, so God's laid all this groundwork down, so now it's our response to either follow along with that or not follow along with that. We're actually talking about, I and mean, we're more, more, more focused on believers because this is a Christian podcast, mm-hmm. um, but it could really apply to anybody there. Yeah, and it's we do want to draw the distinction that when we're talking about obeying and we're talking about disobeying, basically for the rest of this podcast, we're not talking about faith. Right. And so there is that distinction that we're not talking about, are you following Christ and placing your faith in him or not? That's a set. It's distinct, very closely related in a lot of different ways, but it is distinct from what we're going to be talking about with what happens when we obey and what happens when we disobey. So yeah. I, we do just want to say that up front, that we're not talking about salvation with these two different things. We're talking about believers or unbelievers following or not following the moral law that God has set up. Yep, the moral beneficial, right? Yeah. All right, so so we respond. If we respond well, so as if a Christian obeys and aligns with those beneficial things, or a non-Christian happens to do the good things, then God then judges and we, we've already talked about how judges can be positive, negative, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So God simply watches our response and evaluates it and says, all right, did they do what I, you know, did they align themselves with, with these parameters that I've been setting? And again, it's not always black and white. There's degrees to this. There's different motivations, intentions, yeah. intentions all that kind of thing. Uh, we're not getting to all that. But what we're saying are, if you are doing the good thing, then God, so God evaluates and sees that you did it well. So then he responds with rewards and grace and favor. Now, this shows that there is some conditionality with grace and favor, that somewhat, sometimes yeah. it is conditional upon your obedience. We're going to get more into that when we get into the grace favor study next week or mm-hmm. next episode. Um, and then, and then reward. And, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because we want to spend more time on the punishment part. But, but it does look like God will reward anybody who happens to do something good, whether they're a believer or a non-believer. How that reward or grace or favor plays out, we're not going to get into all that because it could play out a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for the believer, it could happen in this life. It could the, the reward and favor could happen in the next life or some combination therein. Um, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, but it, I think it is something that we all hold to that we wanted to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so that's that's kind of one response. The other response is to not align <laughs> with the beneficial good, mm-hmm. uh, to to disobey or sin or commit an evil or or whatever. Um, and again, when we say evil, we equate sin and evil. So all sin is evil. Um, we don't have we don't necessarily use that that the degrees um, that yeah. they'll have a lot of time to do. But anyways, so so what we want to focus on is this is where the punishment starts to come in. Um, so if somebody 
disobeys or, or they, they don't align with the good beneficial thing and they end up doing something that's detrimental or harm, harmful, what happens? Now, we have a whiteboard up here um, that we're using. I'm such a visual person. It's color-coded and all that. And obviously, we don't have that for the podcast. So we're going to try to explain this as best as we can um, so that you can understand it without the visual. Mm-hmm. I may, well, I'll take a picture of it and put it on the podcast, but my handwriting is so bad. <laughs> I may try to do that just so you have some kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's see if I, if I we'll remember. We'll see. Yeah, but, <laughs> Uh, but anyways, so so I think what I'm going to do is go ahead and explain all three points at one time just so we have them and then mm-hmm. we can kind of break them down. And actually, even before I do that, because um, one of the things that you want to look at is how does God respond when somebody disobeys or, or does an evil or detrimental thing? And this is a whole episode, I do believe, back in the evil sin study. Yep. I, I believe what we is have God's f- response to evil and mm-hmm. sin? Yeah, so we're summarizing it yes. here. Yep. But we go into major detail in that episode. Yeah. I forget which one it was. But um, but, I th- but we title all of them, so then go back and look at how God responds to, to evil. Anyways, so we want to know, or we, we, we want us to know, we want you to know, the listener, that when somebody commits a wrong and, and, and they disobey or they commit an evil or whatever, um, one thing is God loves that individual. Hmm. God values them because he made them. He delights in them and treasures them. He may not be pleased with them in the moment, but he still delights in them. He still cares about them tremendously. So he definitely still always responds in love. Another thing is, is he grieves because that detriment, there's, there's some detriment to him. There's also detriment to whoever we're, we're wronging, you know, wronging in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he grieves that. He is, he's sad. He laments the fact that detriment has now occurred. He also kind of with that, he hates and detests the detriment. Um, we talked, there's a difference between anger and hate, and we'll go into that when we get the anger study, et cetera. But we know that he, he just detests. He just, he, it, it, it repulses him. He steps away kind of when he sees detriment being um, caused. So he grieves and, and detests it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing is he atones for it. Now, this, this is going to lead into the forgiveness thing, which is the part of the elephant that we're not going to go into here. But we, we know that he atoned not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Um, and, and, I, and my theology is that means not just the elect of the world, but everybody in the world, mm-hmm. elect and non-elect, um, Christian and non-Christian, that he actually atones for it. That, we're not going to rabbit trail. We're going to get into that in the forgiveness study in, in, two, in two episodes, and we'll explain more what that is, but we, we want to at least name it here. Um, and so, so he's, so, and those seem to be for everything that he's always loving. He's grieving and detesting the, the detriment that was caused. Um, and he's atoning. They're all there. Then what we have is pretty much kind of three stages. And, and we, we, we number these from zero to 100 just so that we can help explain them better. This is the general rule. There's always, there, we, we've already found exceptions in scripture and we can find exceptions in life, mm-hmm. but this is the general rule of how God responds. So the first thing that he does is pretty much from like zero to 90 is he convicts and he warns. This is with tons of patience and tons of gentleness Usually in a quiet, if still firm way, um, but all he and, and the whole point of this conviction and this warning is simply to get us back. Because remember, we talked about like the sin is primarily it's turning away from God, mm-hmm. 
uh, and his beneficial goods, and then secondarily, it's turning to something detrimental. So the, the thing that God wants more than anything is he wants us walking with him and experiencing these beneficial goods that, that, he, that he offers. And so, any, so that's, his, that's his number one goal. That's his number one desire. So anything that he's trying to do is he's trying, and, and this would be our repentance. And to repent, the basic idea there, it means to begin to think differently and act differently. Mm-hmm. And so if you repent, it's like you, 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 you rechange your thinking and you realize, oh, this is detrimental. I shouldn't be doing this. Ooh, that's beneficial. I should be doing that. Um, and then acting accordingly. And so God wants us to, you know, repent a lot of times has this like negative usage sometimes. And I, I don't want, I don't think of it in a negative way. I think of just, he's saying, I want you to think differently, mm-hmm. uh, realign to kind of, I want you to see what I see, what's beneficial and detrimental, and then, and then act according to that. Um, and so he really wants that repentance. He wants us to, 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 to realign. So the first thing that he does is, is he patient, he's very, very patient for, from zero to 90 for long periods of time. And he just gently and firmly convicts and warns us uh, of, hey, don't be doing this. This is detrimental to you or others. You should, you should be coming back. And so that's what he does for long periods of time, longer than, than we might do, right? We wouldn't show as much patience, but we might give like one warning mm-hmm. and that's it. I think about the parents, right? I'm going to tell you once. <laughs> yeah. um, he tends to tell multiple, multiple times. And the purpose of this is restoration. That right. whole process going through zero to 90, convicting and warning us with the eventual goal that we will hopefully be restored and actually start obeying and aligning ourselves with the beneficial ways that he set things up. Right, because it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's the first level. And then the second level, so let's say from zero to 90, um, he's just, he's been patient. He's just kind of warned you, convicted you, just kind of keeps telling you, hey, come back, come back, come back. Um, and you still haven't come back. Then he ups the ante. And so from 91 to 99, he ups it quite a bit and it becomes affliction, or we can use the term punishment. Um, And what he says is, all right, listen, these gentle warnings weren't working for these long periods of time, so now I'm going to raise the stakes. Again, my goal still hasn't changed. Hmm. I still want restoration. I still want you walking with me in beneficial things. I still want to help encourage this repentance. I I did it for long periods of time in this patient, gentle way. That wasn't working, so now I'm going to do it in a louder, harsher way. So like in Scripture, he talks about, um, and now I will bring the sword upon you, or now I will bring uh, pestilence upon you. A lot of times we, we read that verse and we forget there was that long period of patience and that he just jumped right to this affliction, right to this punishment. Sometimes he does, but that tends to be the exception to the rule. In general, it was these long periods of warning through prophets and that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, or for us today, through, through conviction from the Spirit, etc. Um, but then when the affliction comes, it comes severely. What's key here is to understand the difference between restorative punishment and retributive punishment. So punishment is that um, imposing of some loss or difficulty or pain or penalty or whatever. Um, so that, that's punishment. Restorative punishment is imposing that difficulty to restore, to bring the person back to what right is. Retributive punishment is the idea of harm for harm. So because you caused detriment, I'm now going to cause you detriment. Because you harmed somebody else in some way, I'm now going to harm you. Now, before the study, I would have said there was like no punishment whatsoever. Now I realize, no, there is punishment, and there's the two types, restorative and retributive. I wanted to say there was no retributive punishment, 
um, because God is merciful and, and that kind of forgives. Well, no, vengeance is his, <laughs> says the Lord. And so there is a retributive element, um, but we're going to get to that shortly. That's like the fourth layer to all of this. And so what we understand here in the second layer, when he's opposing some sort of uh, affliction on you, it's not retributive, it's restorative. So he's not harming you because you caused harm. He's bringing about some sort of suffering, some sort of affliction or, or you know, pain, loss, difficulty, harm, etc. Mm-hmm. He's bringing about it because it's what you needed because you weren't listening to the, to the gentle warnings. And you can almost think about this as trying to wake someone up. Right. Um, if you just start and you're just like, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake, wake, wake up. You have to gradually get louder, a little bit more firm with what you're telling them. And then eventually you're going to probably start poking them. You're going to start trying to get them to wake up. And then if they do, if gentle poking doesn't work, then you're going to start shaking and just moving up. And um, you might even try like hitting them a little bit or something. And just that sort of idea that you're not like you're not um, acting out in anger at them because they're not waking up. Right. You're just trying to get them to wake up. And so um, through this, God moves from conviction to affliction in order to get you to wake up to actually have you move towards restoration. And that's the actual goal of this still. So, Craig, go ahead and read your definition definition of punishment again, because it plays in here. Sorry, I, I called it. Okay, punishment <laughs> was to inflict a penalty for a fault, offense, or violation ranging from mild discipline to vengeance. So, so now, so we're not at the vengeance level yet, but we've begun moving in that. So it first starts with that gentle, patient warning and conviction. Then it moves to this affliction. The affliction may be like a stern rebuke. Stern rebuke may be part warning, part affliction, whatever. But, but there are, and let's talk practical for a second. Um, let's say you're experiencing some sort of suffering. Uh, this is kind of getting application, but I think it's good to go ahead and explain this here. So you're experiencing some kind of suffering, and you've got several Christian friends that you go to. Each one holds to a different camp or different theology or whatever. Um, you're going to hear a bunch of different things. So one one might say, well, you're being punished for some sin you're doing. Um, you were causing problems, so God's causing problems for you, right? Eye for eye kind of deal. Um, others might say, well, God never punishes us, so this is not from God. This must be in another, others-initiated suffering, not God-initiated suffering. The answer is probably somewhere in between there, that it may be that the suffering you're experiencing has nothing to do with some sin that's going on. It actually is others-initiated. It just happens to be happening at the same time that you're sinning. It may be, this is where, before the study, I wouldn't have said this, and now, now I do, but after the study. Um, it may be that God is initiating some kind of suffering slash affliction slash penalty, whatever, um, but it's restorative. It's to just get your attention because you keep going down the path. We're talking about spin, kind of, you know, sin, like you spiral down. And so, so what, what, again, before the study, I wouldn't have said this. Now I would. Maybe God is punishing you, but it's a restorative punishment. It's this affliction to wake you up and get you back. So it's not necessarily in anger, could be, um, but the, but understand that, that, yeah, maybe God is causing this as a punishment, but it's the restorative, not retributive. I, I keep wanting to emphasize right. that point. So so that's like, like the second layer. And so that kind of goes from like 91 to 99. If you still don't come around, 
So, so even though there's this severe affliction, this restorative punishment happening to you, um, and you still don't come around, he's got to go to the third stage, which is 100, which is the purging, and he's removing you from the chessboard. Um, so he's like, listen, you didn't listen to the long periods of gentle, patient warning. You didn't, for some reason, don't know how you did this. You didn't listen to this, this very severe, uh, affliction, this restorative punishment that I was bringing upon you. Um, you didn't listen to it. So at that point you're not coming around and now I got to remove you. I got, I got to take you out. Uh, and Craig, what was one of the points that we emphasized that let, let's say it's a believer that he purges and he, he kills. What does that not necessarily mean? Well, one that he just because he took you out doesn't mean he sent you to hell if you were a believer he might have had to remove you but that doesn't it means you still made it into heaven if you were a believer um another big thing to remember too is because it still sounds harsh like well why'd you have to purge the person well it's not just about that person um that person's whatever they're doing could be causing detriment to a bunch of other people and so he needs to remove you so that you don't hurt or pull a bunch of other people into the mix yeah and, and it seems that the, now, so Ananias is a fire is the exception to this, where he seemed to do it right away, right after the, right. the, the, they were lying. Um, and, and you and I both believe that most likely they were believers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll still see them in heaven. Um, but anyways, in, in general, it's these long periods of time before he actually gets to that third stage, the purging. We would sometimes like that sooner. So if we think of like Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin or some of these examples, it's like, why did he wait so long to purge them? What might you say to that? Hmm. That's a tough question. Yeah, that's a really tough question to throw right now. (laughs) What do you think, Zach? Um, I think that that goes in my mind as soon as I got the mic, just blanked on the verse, but um, just the verses that talk about his long suffering and his patience and um, the fact that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And right. uh, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked and all of these different verses that he, what God is all about is people coming to him. And he knows that once someone is dead then they can't do that anymore right and so he's very willing to um allow people to do uh detrimental things for a much longer period than we would ever like because that's the end goal that he's looking for yeah so this goes back to that complex view of justice so one of the biggest factors is is he's wanting them to come to repentance and giving them time there's a balance with that though because at some point you're causing too much harm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, he, and he's got to purge and, and eliminate and, and destroy and kill and all that. Um, another thing that, that is helpful for me is, so in that meanwhile, while that person is still living and they're causing a ton of detriment, that means that individuals are getting wronged left and right, brutally, right, a lot of times. Um, it doesn't mean that God's is telling them, Hey guys, just suck it up. Cause I'm, 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 ke- I'm waiting for, to, to, to destroy this person. So you just need to suck it up. No, he's right there with him. He suffers when we suffer. And so he wants to get, this goes back to flight, fight, persevere. He wants us to give the ability to strength. So he may call us to flee away from that. He may call us to fight it. He may call us just to be strong and persevere through it. I also really do believe that he compensates us because he's just for all the suffering that we, we receive. 
and so for all those individuals, especially the believers, and this is the whole can of worms that we're not going to get into, but um, he wants to compensate people for the wrong that happened to them. So if he allows some despot to 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 live longer, there's a bunch of reasons why he's doing that. Um, it doesn't, you know, he's also still going to address all the suffering that that was caused and do his part in trying to compensate the victims for that. It's it's a ton of stuff that that one would need to kind of wrestle with with that. And, and also to go into that, um, depending on your camp, um, a lot to do with free will and, and how much free will he leaves the world to do it itself. And then also he loves to use his people to deal with the yes. wrong. So it gives us an opportunity to step up. Um, you know, that doesn't mean go out and try to kill Hitler, but it does mean go and try to help the people that are being persecuted. Yep. So allowing those things to go on gives Christians, you know, Moral the, responsibility. Yeah, moral responsibility. And it shows, it gives us the chance to show the rest of the world that, hey, there's something different about living this Christian life that we're going to go out of our way to help a group of people that we have no association with. Yep. Something else I'm thinking, because I'm always thinking about people listening to this podcast, and we, we make all these phrases. And I know there's times when, when someone hears something that we say, it's probably usually something I said, where they're like, no, you know, and, and they, they think of a, a counter to that. Um, and so... One, yeah, that's probably true. That that's not. I say things, you know, because we're not perfect. I say things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. But another thing is, this goes back to the evil sin study. It was what seven or eight parts by the time we were all done. Yeah. And 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 when we when we when we go to the elephant in the room study here in, in three episodes, um, maybe there's one thing that we just said that you did not like, and it doesn't persuade you that God is good because of that. There are many, 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 many factors going on. And, and just one, it's one point itself won't persuade you, but if you actually take all of them together, it might be more persuasive. And one point didn't persuade any of us. No. It's important to keep in mind that we, we've been going through all of this, and it's, it's not just one thing. It's the sum total that, um, for me, has really been convincing me that this does make more sense. And so if it is just that one thing that just, I, I just don't know— uh, try and see the try and understand the bigger picture and if you don't understand where we're coming from feel free to send us an email info at rekindling ministries.com uh, we can visit, talk more about yeah, it yeah and we would love to actually dialogue with you to try and figure out more of where we're coming from because we don't want to just throw out these random things have you say no i don't believe that for this reason right. and that that be it we do actually want to talk to you guys so all right so so coming back to this yet that first layer of response from God when, when we sin um, is that gentle, patient warning for long periods of time normally. Then he ups the ante to this restorative punishment, some sort of severe affliction, but again, it's just to get our attention to bring us back. The third level is this purging, which is another form of punishment, not necessarily restorative because you're now taken off off the chessboard, um, but it's like a, 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 a well a purging or an eliminating punishment. It's it's just to kind of keep you from doing any other harm, more harm, right? Um, then there's a fourth one, which is the retributive punishment, and so this is the one where it's because you caused harm, um, harm's going to come to you. 
So again, me personally, I've always pushed back on that. I felt like that was a dust flesh thing. People just wanting that retribution. We need to let it go, etc. But from the study, we had, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And we saw that there is a retributive element to, um, to all this, that there is a retributive punishment. It does seem from the study that that, for the most part, is what Gehenna, the lake of fire, hell, is all about. Um, we're not saying that, that God doesn't do retributive punishment in life. It seems that maybe there are times when he does that in Scripture and in even life today, but they're fairly few and far in between. Most of the destroying that he does is probably more of that purging. Um, but anyways, we we did come to grips with that there's the, the, the retribution punishment, which is the harm for harm, which is more of what Gehenna and the Lake of Fire is, uh, is about. So let's take a second to kind of talk through this. Now, what we're going to discuss now is theory and conjecture on our part. We haven't nailed all this down. Um, I think we're kind of on the same page with some differences, so you guys can each kind of share your points. But I think if I'm understanding everything correctly, this goes back to the faith point. What gets one in Gehenna? What gets one in the Lake of Fire? Not all the evil that they did. It's the rejection of Christ as Lord. That If you believe in Jesus as Lord, you get eternal life. If you do not believe in Jesus as Lord, if you reject him, you get the lake of fire. Um, so that's why you go there. But once you're there, and so you don't get that eternal life in the kingdom of heaven because you didn't choose Jesus, um, the retribution will occur there. So, so I had to come to grips with there is a retribution punishment, but that's what that's what the uh, hell is. Um, and you, if you get into Hades and Gehenna, we're not going to get elaborate and all that because that kind of complicates things. Uh, but anyways, so one of the things that we would talk about is it seems that a believer um, won't experience retributive punishment because they don't go to the lake of fire, mm-hmm. um, where the non-believer will. Um, so where that, 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 the gentle patient warnings and the um, more restorative punishment and severe affliction and even the purging, all of that could be applied to believers or non-believers. It seems that the retributive punishment would only be to non-believers in, in hell. Well, you guys want to add anything to that? Uh, one thing that I do want to add is um, Matthew twenty five forty one, which says, Then shall he say also unto them uh, on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into this everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so it does seem, and I don't know specifically if this is talking about Gehenna or um, Hades or right. where all that complexity lays into this, but I do want to throw this out there that um, hell it does seem was created for the devil and his angels. And so for the devil and demons. And I think that that adds, um, I'm not sure if comforting is the right word, but at least for me, it is a little bit reassuring that God's original plan wasn't for rest for, uh, retribution Mm -hmm. and vengeance to be against his creation in hell that at least originally it was for um, the devil and demons, which that opens up probably yeah, a larger like can of words. Theories and camps on um, but. but yeah, so that, that's just one aspect that I think is interesting to okay. include here. Yep. Craig, would you add anything? No, I'm just generally speaking, I agree with that some of uh, retributive, um, yeah. that it's mostly for non-believers in hell. I do think it may happen on earth, um, but like you said, limited Right. Or, or very rarely. 
and we talk about the difference between divine retribution and human retribution. Right. So yeah, you might experience all kinds of human yes, retribution. Yes. Um, yeah. And so that's why I don't want to rule it out. We're talking more in general here. It seems, mm-hmm. um, that, that, the, that a divine God retribution on a believer in life probably rarely happens right. at all. Right. Um, another thing that I was going to say with this, and we're not going to spend any time on this, but, um, there, there's two camps. Well, yeah. With annihilationism and such. So, so the more traditional camp within the church is that if you get thrown into the lake of fire, you are there forever, that you do live forever, you just live forever in the fire. And so with this kind of mindset, it would seem that um, the because your sins do carry over with you, um, you know, with, with the judgment and all, that the more detriment you caused, the more detriment that's going to come to you. So there might be some idea of the a fairly good person who didn't believe in, in Jesus versus the really, really nasty, evil person that had, mm-hmm. that had rejected Jesus. That nasty, evil person may have more detriment, more harm happening, more retribution, more retributive punishment happening to them than the, the lesser person in Lake of Fire for all that time. If you hold to annihilationism, which is uh, if you're, you're thrown into the fire and you actually cease to exist, you're actually burned up and consumed and your soul dies, and so you don't live forever, you, you just, you, you're gone, you're eliminated completely, um, then the idea would be how long you burn before you're destroyed. Um, that this, this idea that the more harm you've caused in life, the more harm that's going to come to you. Um, so these are just some conjectures, some things that we're talking about, but, but it, it came up in the study. Um, all right, so those are those are the four kind of levels that we saw um, to God's response to disobedience and evil and such. That the the gentle and I keep repeating so that this stuff just starts sitting in. But that gentle, patient warning for long, long periods of time, and then that really severe up the ante restorative punishment, um, still trying to bring you back. And then a purging punishment, taking you off the chessboard because you're not coming around. And then a retributive punishment, for the most part, in, in Gehenna, in, in the Lake of Fire. So there, there's those four levels. Then there's a fifth thing that's not really a punishment thing, but that we saw in the text and that, that once we actually discussed it, it made a lot more sense. And, and I don't know if we have a, a term for it, kind of the holy fire I don't know. What, I, don't, yeah, I don't think we came up. I don't think we came up with a term, but but what we we're talking about was a great example would be the guy that the the ark of the covenant was on the was on the cart and then it hit and was, was starting to fall off and so he touched it and then he died. Um, it's kind of a tough, right? We, we like, well, God, why right. are you striking the person down? He's trying to actually save the ark. Um, because we're thinking of it from a punishment thing. Since God struck him down, God was punishing him. What we realized was, as we, we my community group, we, we just finished a 14-month study on Exodus. Um, and one of the things that came out from that study was the idea of, of God's holiness. And he's just this purifying fire. He's just this ball of sun. Um, and, it, of course, if we humans with our frail mortal bodies, if we were to go into the sun, we would just be consumed because we can't deal with it. So one of the things that we saw in the text, and there were several examples of this, where um, somebody touched... Uh, either came into the divine presence of God himself or touched one of his holy things, and then he was consumed by the holiness. So I know what what we believe is, in, in that instance there, God wasn't punishing that—I forget the guy's name— 
but God wasn't punishing him because he was trying to save the ark. It was for how, how many ever years that it had been emphasized and re-emphasized, don't touch the ark because it's holy. Here's these acacia poles that are plated in gold. You you put them through the through the loops and you carry it that way. So one of the things was they weren't even carrying it that way. They put it on the on the on that um, cart, which they weren't supposed to. Everything was supposed to be carried by hand. Um, but they had been constantly taught this is holy. This is that purifying fire. You are a male, a, a, a frail mortal body. And so if you touch a holy thing of God, it's going to consume you. And so that was helpful for us to realize that wasn't really a punishment thing. That was just this holy fire purifying thing. Right. The divine is too much for the human body. It just like God with Moses, you know, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to put you in the rock. You can't see my face, but you can see the trail I leave after I pass by you. Because if you saw me, you wouldn't be able to handle it, and you would die. Right. And even seeing the afterglow alone right. made it made Moses glow. Right. It was intense. So so that was helpful. So so that becomes a thing that's not on the this this punishment chain. It's just a separate thing, and and that was kind of cool coming coming to that. So. So those are, are all the, the actual, the main points um, that, that we're going to cover. And the, the main thing that I want to emphasize here is that it turns out God, because also the question is, because I always thought, well, if God forgives you, he won't punish you because forgiveness is a releasing of any punishment. Well, now I had to rethink forgiveness, and we're going to go into that in two episodes from now, that God will forgive you and also still punish you, and it's not a contradiction because it's two separate things going on. We'll have to explain that um, in, in those two. Uh, I think Connor's going to be with us for that, that episode. Anyways, so, so coming to grips with God will punish you for sin, but it's a restorative punishment uh, or potentially a purging punishment but not a retributive punishment. And that, yes, there is retributive punishment, but it's a much more rare thing in this life. It's much more forgiveness. I know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I'm just trying to emphasize all that. Um, and so that's the point that I hope the listeners are coming to grips with. Yeah, and with this idea of restorative punishment, it may be helpful to also throw in, uh, this can also be the idea of like disciplining and training and those sorts of words can start coming in here. So if, you, if you've been struggling with hearing um, God starts punishing you with like affliction and that sort of thing after um, conviction, then maybe a word that would um, connect more with you is something more along the lines of like training and disciplining, that he's using these things to um, still uh, restoratively to get you to change your behavior, but just from that side of things. Yep. So, so also when, when we do these studies, we get to the benefits. Um, so, so we, we come up with the, the definition, you know, what is this thing? And then we try to figure out all the nuances and under the hood depth and details and all that kind of thing. And then we ask ourselves, what's the benefit um, to this? Why is this such a good thing? So, so looking at this, this deal, realizing that God, again, in all his goodness and, and love and all that, he knows what's beneficial and detrimental. He communicates that to us very carefully uh, through a number of different ways. And then he encourages and equips and empowers us to start doing all that and if we do it great there's reward and favor that will come um, if we don't do it then he he does the 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 warnings then he can do the restorative punishment because it's the only thing we'll listen to if that still doesn't work he'll do the purging punishment and then later on down the road for the most part for non-believers after judgment day in lake of fire there is that retributive punishment um, as we went through all that study and me getting to see all that laid out 
that made um, a lot of sense to me. Obviously, it was from the text, so I, I couldn't really argue it anyways. Um, but it was just, as I listened to all of it, I'm like, no, this is actually a good thing. We've talked about, you know, there's studies done that if you offer people a cheating, a, a way to cheat with no punishment, then the participation in the cheating skyrockets. But then if they run the test again and they offer the cheating but there's a punishment, then the cheating, the participation actually decreases majorly. So it shows that there is some goodness to punishment. So one of the things, I was telling you guys this earlier, I realize now after going through the study, when I would push back on Christians, talking about God punishes you. Oh, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I keep pushing back on it. I realize now I was pushing back on their almost like glee with which they said that or the quickness with which they ran to that. And I was throwing the baby out with the bathwater there. And so what I'm realizing now, you know, like, like you mentioned the verse, I do not take delight in the death of the wicked for I'd rather they become repentance, Ezekiel 3311. Um, we shouldn't have a glee in the punishment. Um, but we should actually absolutely embrace it. Uh, and we shouldn't rush to it. There's a timing to it all now. And so for me, that's why moving from that 30s or 40s up to the 70s, what does that mean practically is, yeah, you know what? God will punish you, but it's, it's, to res- it's a restorative thing, and it's only because you weren't listening to the long, patient, gentle warnings I was given. And, 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 he, and he has to do that. He has to offer this element of, of restorative punishment. Um, and, and also the purging, if for those who don't even listen to that, then he, then he has to kind of put the purging punishment down. Um, it actually makes a lot of sense, and it's a really good system. So this leads to the benefits. So what are the benefits of this system? Now, a lot of times when we do these unpackings, we end up listing dozens right, of, of benefits. We only really um, came up with two benefits for this one, but they're two solid ones. And that's not to say there's not more. It was just these, these were the two big ones. So w- one of it is um, justice is served more. But going back to rejecting the simple view of justice, it doesn't mean we're finally punishing the wrong. What it, you know, justice is the making of things right. And so what we find is restorative punishment is all about making things right. Mm-hmm. It's about bringing that wrongdoer back to God and back to right doing. Um, it's also um, both the restorative punishment and the purging punishment um, is decreasing that wrong that is, is being caused so that there's less victims out there. So more right is being caused that way, you know. Um, and, so, and so realizing that the, that the restorative punishment and the purging uh, punishment actually contribute to the justice, the making of things right is, is, is a cool concept. So that, that's one benefit. Uh, another benefit is uh, we're better understanding and trusting God. Mm-hmm. So one of the things for me in this study was, oh, man, see, now that I hear this, I, I, now I can't unsee it. It now does make a lot more sense. I, I'm now frustrated a little bit that I went so far you know, to, to the left, but it is what it is. It's part of the journey that we're on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now I'm back more aligned with this. But I'm like, God, you're legit, man. Like, like, first of all, you want us to experience benefit and good, so you establish these commands and parameters. And and then you take the time to carefully communicate and equip us to do all that. You're really trying to build us up to, to make us stronger to do all that. And then when we don't do it, you first just start with these gentle patient warnings for long periods of time. And then and then if that's not working, then you up the ante with, with the restorative severe punishment. But again, it's not out of retribution or, or anger necessarily. It's just trying to get us back. Then you will do the purging if the person still isn't coming around. Then you have to purge them because otherwise it's causing too much trouble. Mm-hmm. Um and then, and then when you get to the retributive, you know, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I can bring that harm for harm, um, but it's but he, but he reserves it for the most part for for Gehenna. 
um, all that began to make more sense to me once I heard, you know, Craig's like, well, I, I told you that already, you know, kind of thing. And I had to come around to it. But, but I look at this, I'm like, God, man, you do make sense. And I'm much more willing to, to take that punishment, um, or, or to see it in action because I'm understanding what's all going behind it now. Right. So th- those are two of the strong benefits. I don't know if you guys would add anything to that or not. I mean, you said it, the word a lot in describing that, but I mean, it strengthens us. You know, once we've been punished yep. so many times and we come around, we tend to uh, put off some of those st- stupid things that we keep falling to. Not all the time, but eventually some of them we do we do get stronger. So, yeah. So now let's move to the application of this, of given this system. Um, what does that mean? So the first thing I'll say is for you individually, um, if you're experiencing, and this actually goes back to the suffering study, but if you're experiencing some kind of suffering, first figure out whether it's God initiated or others initiated. This is where discernment comes in. You're yeah. talking about discernment. Um, so figure out if it's God initiated or others initiated because you'll handle, you'll respond to them differently. If it is God initiated, then you want to figure out, all right, so what's, cause there's different reasons that he'll initiate suffering. So sometimes it's a warning. Sometimes it's a restorative punishment. Sometimes it's more of like those wind sprints, just training and discipline just to make you stronger. Um, sometimes there's some lesson to be had. Sometimes it's to see if other Christians will step up in that moral responsibility, right? There's many, many different reasons there. So, so, so don't, you know, if, if a, friend, a friend, of you, friend of yours tells you, well, God's punishing you, maybe, but figure that out. Don't just assume that. So is it God initiated? And then if it is, what are one of the reasons? If it is for punishment, so if it turns out, you know, through prayer and fasting and discernment, all these kind of things, that God's like, listen, I am punishing you right now because of the sin that you're doing. It's not a harm for harm retributive punishment. It's just the restorative. I actually have been warning you for a long time and you weren't listening, which is why I'm doing it now. So understand that it's not like I'm mad at you. It's just this is what I needed to do to get your attention. And and trust me, my whole point is for you to come back. So as soon as you actually repent and start coming back uh, to, to where I want you to be, I'll stop it. Cause that was the point was to get you back. So when you get back, I'll stop it. Um, and, and so, so allow yourself to kind of receive that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, second application would be, um, let's go like, like authority, like parent or a spiritual authority, um, like a pastor or a teacher or, or a superintendent of a principal. Um, we, we, we'll get to, to civil in a moment here, but this, we're talking more like individual one-on-one. Um, are we allowed to punish other people? What would you say? So like from what we were talking about before with this, uh, it would seem that if we are in a position of authority, yes. However, with peers, I feel like punishment might be too strong of a term. Um, Mm -hmm. it, it seems to go against some of the turn the other cheek uh, and being loving and beneficial. Um, it would seem that we would, we, we should go to an authority like a pastor or a leader or a parent or somebody else and, and bring that other person in so that an authority figure is the one dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we when we tend to come at it, we want the retribution. Right. And so, yeah, that's that's where I would think it would be at with personal level. Yeah. So peer to peer, it's probably best that we don't do any kind of punishment mm-hmm. um, because we're supposed to turn their cheek and, and all that jazz. Um, but that doesn't mean that the person can get away with it. So it's great what you said about we should go to an authority figure. Right. And when I'm saying punishment, I, I do mean punishment. I don't mean don't 
confront. You can still confront or come to the person, um, yep. you know, the right way and say, hey, you, you know, this is going on, um, whatever it is, and try to take care of it that route. But if that does not take care of it, then it would seem it's no longer up to you to right. make something happen. It's go to the authority figure at that point. And so going back to the, the judge or the, um, yeah, the judgment, de- no, the punishment definition, you're not allowed to impose peer to peer some penalty mm-hmm. or some form of affliction, whether it's, you know, especially if it's retributive, you know, you're not allowed to get vengeance and, and do that retribution. But even if, if peer to peer, you were trying to do some sort of restorative punishment, it would still seem that God's not really intending for that. He wants the authority figures. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll say, and then I'll let you speak, Zach, is so if you are an authority, so a parent, pastor, superintendent, whatever, you do have the authority to punish. Keep in mind, it cannot be retributive punishment. It has yeah. to be restorative punishment. The restorative punishment should come after some sort of warning and, and gentle conviction, et cetera. Also, we'll get into this, and in, 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 in when we get to this elephant episode, it's going to be a big one because we're going to put it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but we remember, you've seen a list. We put together a whole list of like what biblical rebuke looks like, yeah. and there's all of these actual restrictions and qualifications mm-hmm. and preliminary steps and attitude requirements. There are a ton of rules about what restorative punishment looks like. God, of course, does all those really, really well. So we don't, I feel like we, we could have gone to today. We won't, we won't today. We'll, we'll go with it when we when we get to that episode. But just understand that, that if you are an authority figure, and so God has uh, delegated restorative punishment to you, there is a ridiculous amount of rules and qualifications of what that looks like. And yeah. you must, so you, so come back and listen. I think it's three episodes from now, come back and listen to that one. When we talk about the, what, what the biblical rebuke looks like. Yeah. Cause I think that this is where there's the difference between judgment and punishment and peer to peer. Um, it's okay to have a careful discerning evaluation of if someone is actually doing the commands of God Mm -hmm. like that's actually something that even peer-to-peer you can do and you can mention to someone and this is I mean we're supposed to be living as believers in community that's one of the points of living in community that you can be pointing others to God and doing all and doing this together and helping people realize when they're not doing the things they're supposed to be doing yep but and so I think that the difference is peer-to-peer you just shouldn't be punishing which you guys have both said yep different ways and I, the other point that I was going to add is um, just what you just said about it not being uh, retribution. It needs to be restorative. And I think this brings up the idea of a lot of times in our culture, we hear this idea of don't judge me. Is that something that you want to elaborate yeah, on? Yeah, but not yet. I want okay. to get to civil first, then we'll come back to that. So then we have the, the civil punishment. So this would be the court systems and jails, etc. So we were talking about this beforehand. And what we all realized was all this stuff st- still applies. And we know that God has has delegated authority to civil governments and he's given them a sword. So we know that punishment can be, can be an element. But it seems that nothing would still change here. That that in now the the society as a whole and and even even the the government should be like warning people hey this is what we want you to do this is what we don't want you to do and give those warning give the education etc um but then when somebody does commit a crime absolutely they can be punished for that crime but it does need to be a restorative punishment um and so we talked about oh it can also be a per there's two types of purging punishment 
the purging as far as purging them from society, and then there's, then the second type, which is purging them from existence, right, and the death penalty. So, so the idea here is that the way the civil government should work is that when someone commits a crime and they, they go through the judicial system and they're found guilty of that, that there should, there should be a punishment and a combination of restorative punishment and like that first purging punishment. So you take them out of society and you put them in jail for two reasons. One, it keeps them from causing more harm to other people. And two, while they're there, you're doing, you're building them up. So, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Um, you know, a lot of times they're, they're turning to crime because they didn't have any uh, tools in their belt, any, any skills. So, like, I know Sweden has a system that does this. Um, and I've seen, like, like um, uh, Christian, um, uh, faith-based Christian groups that come in with prison ministries and such. Um, and and they're, they're teaching those, those criminals uh, skills. So giving them opportunities of, hey, when you get out of here, because what's the recidivism rate in America? Like 57% or something like that, or maybe even higher. It's over 60%. High. It's super it's high. high. It's one of the highest in the, in the, in the world. Um, and the recidivism rate is the rate at which they go back into jail. It's very high because most of them, they never learn another way. It's still, you know, yeah, you get caught, yeah, you go to jail, but it's still, I'm going to go ahead and continue to steal or whatever. Um, and so, so it should be that restorative and then purging them from society for a time. Then we talked about, and this is still theory, but, but the idea being that with a death penalty, it seems a death penalty can still be a thing, but it shouldn't be something that you run to. Right. Um, and it should be, the death penalty should be based on a combination of the crime itself and then a refusal to be restored. And, and, and with the refusal, not immediately, because it may take someone 10, 20 years before they come around. So the idea being, like, let's say somebody goes, you know, they're, they're put in jail for, for a crime or whatever, and then either they're in that jail for a long period of time, but they don't go through any of the restoration. They don't, they don't take any of those classes. They don't listen to any of that stuff. They don't want to make any changes in their life. And 20 years go by and they refuse to. Or they keep getting out and then come back in and getting out come back in, and there's never a sign over a long period of time. Then to me, then maybe the death penalty, which is that second level of that purging, would be okay based on the crime and a long time refusal of the restoration. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of cool to see that. We do see the system, whether in America or other countries, sometimes doing that, a lot of times not. A lot of times it is retributive. Um, and it would seem that, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. One can make the argument that maybe God does delegate the retributive punishment two governments maybe not i don't know enough to say one way or the other on that one um i would lean towards no that it remains his alone um and so we should avoid that um but maybe that that's that's a possibility there um so so that's that's some of the application at a personal level and a civil level with this idea of punishment so then we can get last thing we'll do is is with this judgment so that, that don't judge me so going back to but judgment is an evaluation of one's behavior we actually find several verses where it said God does call us to judge each other. But what that means is we absolutely should be, and by the way, it talks about taking the plank out of your own eye so that you can take the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's eye. Don't do not be evaluating others' performances if you're not evaluating your own, right. um, which we fail all the time. So by the way, it should show you how rare a judging of another will be because we should be spending a, a big chunk and it's nice and it's not you need to get perfect before you judge right but you need to be addressing and working on your issues before you do that with somebody else um but then but so be evaluating yourself how are you aligning with scripture and this goes back to remember that one of the episodes um in the sin study was a list of all of the 
commands mm-hmm. and prohibitions, and that was convicting. Yeah. It shows you how much we all sin every day, right? Mm-hmm. We're all breaking a bunch of those. But anyways, be evaluating yourself uh, and then and then trying to realign with God, and then that will actually equip you to uh, to evaluate others. So, for example, if everybody knows me as Shannon's constantly evaluating himself and making tweaks and changes to his behavior, to his theology, etc., it doesn't mean that I'm going to like it if he comes to me and he says, "Hey, I've evaluated your behavior lately according mm-hmm. to Scripture," but I may be a little more likely to listen to it because I know he's actually applying it to himself. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the idea is, and so why should we judge each other? Because it's that sharpening. It's like, hey, we're causing too much detriment and not enough benefit. And so we want to evaluate that and try to realign. So in that sense, we should be judged, and we should, we, we should judge others, and we should allow others to judge us. Yeah, I wanted to stress that point is even if someone comes up to you in a judging way that you think is lesser than you or you are better than, um, don't take what they say and throw it away they might still be seeing something that you need to look into um just because you see the plank in their eye doesn't mean they don't see something in yours so you got to learn to take it as well um another thing to say is we always want to say don't judge me don't judge me but if someone comes and evaluates you positively you're never saying that right so it's only like a no don't tell me when i'm messing up only tell me when i'm doing good or something I want to hear. So just remember those things with, you know, when dealing with other people. So, so when we use that phrase, don't judge me, we're kind of meaning two things. One, don't evaluate me at all. I want to do what I want to do. And then also don't condemn me. Don't devalue me. Don't, don't think you're a better person, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We're right to not want that second part, but we're not right to not want the first part. So it seems that, um, yeah, it's a good thing to not want people to devalue you, right, or belittle you. But we really should be taking the, the feedback, the criticism. And it's a great point you just made, Craig. And by the way, if the person does come with a demeaning, devaluing attitude, they're wrong to do that, but still listen because they may still be right in what they're saying. Hmm. So, so that's how I would handle that, that, don't, that don't judge me is – me for, for for me personally first, I should be judging slash evaluating myself, and I should be letting others judge slash evaluate me as well. So that I'm always trying to transform to become a, a better, more good person. Um, and as I'm doing that, that then frees me up to judge slash evaluate others in a non demeaning, non condemning way, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully they're they're going to receive it. So, we, you know, we, we've joked a lot about uh, I'm trying to get back to using language properly. And so, like, I'll be, I'll be teaching a class or just talking with somebody. I'm like, so I, I don't want to judge. Per- oh, no, no, wait, I do want to judge a person. But by, by what I mean by that is I want to be carefully evaluating after I'm evaluating myself, et cetera. And so trying to kind of take back that, that, that language. But anyways, I don't know if you create or uh, Zach, if you want to add anything to that. I don't know. All right, so that's that's pretty much everything. Um, that's a lot of information. We didn't we didn't cover um, forgiveness that we're going to get in two episodes because that 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 affects this. Um, but at least this this lays some groundwork down um, that that God may punish, but it's for very specific restorative reasons. And that's a cool thing, you know, et cetera. So last question I have for you guys is. As, as we, you know, we went through the study and then, and then now we've gone through this discussion. What, what's a personal uh, takeaway for you um, that was encouraging or, or illuminating for you or maybe even an application? So, for example, for me, um, 
coming to grips with God may actually be putting affliction on somebody as a restorative punishment for sin they're doing, but that's a phenomenally good thing. And I should embrace that, whether that's happening to me or to, to a friend. That was probably the single bit. And then, by the way, that was scary hmm. because the last, this year has been a whole lot better for me, but the last couple years have been kind of rough internally and was sinning a lot and just kind of screwing up. And I was like, oh crap. Um, I probably was reaching that point where the gentle warnings weren't working. And so there was some affliction coming in. Uh, Ooh, I don't want that. And so I better be, well, first of all, I better be doing good in the first place. But if I am failing in that area, I should be instantly taking that conviction and that warning and taking it and running with it and turning back. Um, because I don't want to get to that, that affliction restorative punishment point. So that was probably the big takeaway for me. Yeah, I think for me, uh, the big takeaway is that affliction can, the reason that affliction comes is that it's to restore, um, that it's not an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, like God's not mad at me. That's not why these things are happening. And that coupled with um, there's a complex view of justice, not a simple view of justice. Mm -hmm. And so it's not I sin, so affliction comes. It's I sin, um, and so... God needs to convict me. He warns Mm -hmm. me. And he does that for a really, really long time. And too often, I, since it's just kind of a gentle conviction, tend to ignore it Mm. and minimize it because, oh, well, it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Nothing really terrible has happened. So I'm just going to keep going. And recognizing that that's God being... um, gracious and merciful to me mm-hmm. by um which one of those words is actually correct in this instance <laughs> right, right off the top of my head i'm not sure which one but it's that that's actually withholding uh affliction and he's just convicting at that time but i need to recognize that just because something bad isn't happening to me doesn't mean that when i'm doing something that i know i shouldn't be i shouldn't be turning from it yeah all right Craig. Uh, for me, there was a couple. Um, one of them was the recognition of the length of the patience and the milder um, afflictions. Because um, it's real easy to read the Bible and remember all the extremely wrathful looking things mm-hmm. and not remember all the time in between or mm-hmm. the please wake up, open your eyes. Guys, I don't want to do this. But so but but boom, you remember the, the wrath part. So remembering the um, patience that, that was given in the first place. Um, also, yes, thinking about um, the punishment is for restoration and building you up, and it's not, I'm mad at you, therefore I'm taking it out on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with judgment, just, remem- just remembering like consciously like it's not a condemning negative thing. It's an evaluation and um, one, if I'm going to do it, I need to really be working on myself to make sure that I'm doing it right. And two, to be willing to take that criticism yep. from somebody else without jumping down their throat. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know what's helpful is to beat them to the punch by going to friends that you trust and saying, hey, if there was one big change you would love to see in me in the next year, what would it be? Right. And so if you're actually coming to them, your walls are already dropped. Um, rather than waiting for them them to come to you. Um, now, we can't go into this tonight, but that 
that requires you being willing to be okay with your own mistakes and fallenness. A lot of times we just want to deny it or make excuses. You know, I didn't do that or I was justified in doing that or whatever. We're made of dust. And so one of the things that I've tried to do for myself is come to grips with, I am a dust creature, so I'm going to do dust things. And so I should talk with others about my dustness and how to become less dusty, right? Um, but it's fact that I'm, I'm made of that. And so we can't get in all the psychology behind that, but you really want to realize you are human. The kind of, this was, was Derek's point on community group last Thursday. I was yeah. so good about him. He was trying to realize God wanted him to, to be, pay more attention to his humanness. He got, Derek was always hyper-focused on God's divinity, which was great, but he wasn't focused on man's humanness and God's like, I need you to pay more attention to that a little bit. It's going to teach you some things. It was really, really good. Um, but anyways, and so and so that that's a journey to allow yourself to make mistakes and recognize that you are a fallen creature, um, so that you can have those conversations. Right. So so that's it. So that, that's that. We'll finish up the study there. Um, the uh, the next one that we're doing is grace slash favor, uh, and then we're going to get into mercy uh, after that, and then we'll get into the full big picture and kind of tie all this stuff together. Um, so. Uh, Zach already gave the, the contact information if you want to contact us. We thank you guys for listening to this. We hope that there was something encouraging for you uh, out of this, something encouraging and convicting. Um, and then we will just we will see you guys for the uh, for the next episode. Take care.